Well Within Reach is brought to you by Riverside MyChart, your simple, secure, and confidential online health connection. With just a click, Riverside MyChart lets you stay well connected to the same information your doctor sees. You can request prescription refills, pay your bills, schedule your next appointment, and more. Manage your care from your laptop, tablet, or phone. Whether for yourself, your kids, or the grandparents, MyChart makes your busy life just a little easier. Learn more and enroll today at RiversideMyChart.org. Just another way to stay well connected from Riverside Healthcare. I'm Carl Maronich. Running a hospital and health system is a complex job, and we're going to hear just how complex from a man who does it every day. Riverside Healthcare President and CEO Phil Cambick. We'll also talk a little Marcus Welby, MD. Who is that, you ask? Stick around and find out. Riverside Healthcare puts the health and wellness information you need well within reach. We are here with Phil Cambick. Phil is the president and CEO of Riverside Healthcare. Phil, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Phil, you are not only president and CEO of Riverside Healthcare located in Kankakee, Illinois, but you're a Kankakee native. Yeah. Uh, not all hospitals can say their CEO grew up in that community. Yeah, I think I, I'm one of very few. I, I know a few actually other ones in the uh, uh, Illinois area that have done that, but not very many. Yeah. So grew up in Kankakee, went to Eastern Illinois University, undergrad. And uh, when you were sitting in class there, did you ever think uh, running a hospital was in your future? Yeah, no, not at all. I was a computer programmer. And I got a double major in computer science and management and had no idea I would end up at a hospital. You were in college in the early 80s? Yes. So, yep. so a computer site, were they using cards and punch cards still uh, back when then? When I first got was... to Eastern, I was using punch cards, yeah. believe it or not. Yeah, that was a long time ago. A lot of, a lot of technology changes in, in an industry now that where technology is a real big thing. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But mentioned a, a computer programming degree started out of college at Riverside, right out of yeah. college. Yeah, I was actually an uh, interesting story in that, that I applied for a computer programmer job um, the guy who hired me had permission to hire one person. He had already hired somebody, and then he liked me and was impressed with me, and so he offered me a job as well. I think he got into some trouble, actually, um, but but nevertheless, he hired me, and, and it stuck. It worked out well for everybody, it, yeah. it would seem. Uh, so in computer programming, when you started, and what, what kind of computer programming yeah. was happening um, in the hospital then? I was a COBOL programmer, so the hospital had just purchased a brand new financial system, so that was all of our billing and collection systems, payroll, general ledger, and we had purchased it. It was all written in COBOL. The company went out of business, and so versus buying a whole other system, they hired a few programmers like myself to to maintain the system and to enhance the system. Ah, yeah. and uh, that so then that system gave way to others eventually, obviously. Right, and, right. And but it was a great experience for me because I got introduced to all the business functions of the hospital, worked with those directors and changes that they needed, and again, as a computer programmer, you understand process, which mm -hmm. really helps in today's environment as yeah. well. So I got a very broad background in healthcare yeah. because of that. Yeah, and I, as you talk about hospital leadership, you know, you belong to a lot of organizations, no other CEOs. Is there a percentage that come up on the non-clinical side and that those that come up on the clinical side, and I'm going to guess without knowing the answer, that there may be more non-clinical than there are clinical CEOs? Uh, no, actually not. There, I think more are clinical, either a nursing background or physician background. Um, there are very, very few. I don't know of any other ones that came from an IT background. Mm -hmm. um, so that is pretty unusual. Yeah. But a lot of times CFOs or VPs of strategy might go into CEO 
But a lot of times it's your nursing uh, personnel or your physicians. Oh, interesting. Well, a little a little personal information. You guys you grew up here in town, have a couple kids. Um, yeah. Tell us quickly about uh, about your family. Yeah, married, have two children. They're both grown and out of college now. My son works out in Washington, D.C. And, and is doing fantastic. He's actually going to get married uh, this oh, year. So that'll be fun. And then my daughter is down in the Indianapolis area and doing well also. Yeah. So she just graduated and he graduated with his master's uh, last year as well. Yeah. So two kids, both out of college, both yeah. not living at home. Correct. Congratulations Absolutely. Thank on you. that. Thank that, you. That seems Mo- to be mostly rare. off payroll. There's still a little bit of help there, yeah, but mostly well, off payroll. I wonder if that ever completely. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Well, you know, we mentioned how you got into hospital work, not necessarily expecting that, and then uh, here you are, CEO. Uh, at some point early on, as you were here at Riverside from computer programming, you, you kind of started to rise up the ranks, and and yeah. and obviously you started thinking about hospital leadership. I would guess. Yeah, you know, um, I've been very blessed. I've had some very good mentors at Riverside. And so I moved up very quickly, started as a computer programmer, moved into a manager role after a couple of years, director role after a few years after that. I was a VP at age 27, I think. So I was one of the early youngest VPs ever in Riverside's history and just had good mentors and good leadership. And the, the more they gave me, the, or the more I asked for, they gave it to me and I did well and mm-hmm. just kept moving up. So great opportunity to see the organization yeah. from all sides starting young oh, in the career, which yeah. certainly is a positive thing. And one of the things, and we talked about this uh, before we sat down today, one idea I had was to ask you, will you go to dinner parties, go out and meet people? When you meet somebody who doesn't know you and you tell them, oh, I'm, I'm the CEO of a hospital, I'm guessing you get a, a kind of a range of questions, a small range of yeah. questions that people ask. <clears throat> what are the kinds of things that people ask and wonder about? Probably the most interesting thing, um, and, and I have friends that are from overseas, from Europe, et cetera. They always ask if I'm a doctor Oh, yeah. uh, because, again, in, in the European model, usually you have to be a doctor to be the CEO of a hospital. So that's probably the, the most unusual one. Um, outside of that, it's, it's really a, a broad range of, wow, that's a lot of responsibility or, wow, that's a complex industry or, or those sorts of things. No. And there's a lot of complexity certainly yeah. to the hospital, the hospital business. And one of the things, again, we talked about we were going to talk about here is the medical group, the idea of employed physicians. Yeah. Now, back, you know, when I was a kid, there was the TV show Marcus Welby, right. who was the, the right. family doctor, visited everybody's house. And uh, and that model really is gone now. Most providers and physicians are employed by healthcare organizations, as is the case in Riverside. When I started 10 years ago, I think we had 25 or so employed doctors. Yeah. We're now nearing 150. So right. it's it's really exploded. And, and talk about the yeah. reasons that that happens. You know, in, in communities like ours, um, and in most communities, I would say, outside of the major urban areas, you had doctors that were solo practitioners, or maybe they had a partner, right? And so you had one or two man groups, um, and that was great. Kids coming out today, they want to have more call coverage. Yeah. So that's one of the one of the key reasons that, that we started employing. We couldn't recruit physicians to our community. And, and secondarily, the one and two man groups, if they had to recruit a physician that's making literally hundreds of thousands of dollars, that was cash flow out of their own pocket. And they, they simply couldn't afford to do it, so they stopped recruiting. So our medical staff was shrinking. So River, Riverside got into the business of, of employing physicians. That's kind of how it started, and now it's just escalated. If we want certain specialties in our community, we have to go out and employ them um, because they're, they're not just going to come and open up a, put up a shingle and open up a shop. It's a very complex business today. So between the hiring of people, the computer systems, electronic medical re- uh, record systems they have to have, it's very complicated. And so for us, we got into this model, as you said, 10, 12 years ago, we probably had 25. Now we have 150. We're really, it's really coming together nicely. 
The physicians feel like they're integrated into the organization. We have a governance structure for the physicians, and it's going very, very well for us. So, again, it's a key strategy as we go forward. One of one of our most important strategies as a, as a truly an integrated health system. Yeah. I mentioned Marcus Welby. You talked about physicians wanting to have having one partner. Maybe he had a partner. Do you remember his name? I do. Marcus not. Welby's partner. No, I don't know. I believe it was Steve Kiley was the guy's name. All right. Played by uh, James Brolin. Oh, okay. So oh, yeah. It's all yeah. the trivia I have about Marcus Welby there. All right. Talking about recruiting physicians and, and these kids, we'll call them, uh, that come out of school because uh, they seem like kids nowadays. Yeah. Uh, but um, are they, their needs, what, what they want, yeah. the, the model that they want to practice in, their lifestyle, is that affecting how you're able oh, to recruit providers? Absolutely. Big time. Um, and again, everything in medicine is changing. Everything in healthcare is changing. These new kids coming out, they want to. They want a work-life balance. Very talented, very smart, um, hardworking. So you know, millennials get always get a bad rap. Millennial physicians get a bad rap as well. But these kids are bright. They are they are top-notch, um, good practitioners. They want a work-life balance. They don't want to. They don't want to come to the hospital in the morning and see their patients. Go to their clinic, see patients all day. Come back to the hospital, maybe go to the nursing home. They don't want to work 12, 16 hours a day. They want to have a balance. And so in today's environment, as we recruit them, one of the things we're doing is many of the new physicians, the primary care physicians, will be outpatient only. They never come to the hospital. And then we have certain physicians called hospitalists, and that's all they do. They stay in the hospital setting. Um, so it's, it's very much a different blend of what we're seeing. But again, very highly skilled, very uh, um, intelligent um, people. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the hospitalist issue. I was talking to Dr. Ansari, uh, provider here in the community, and he talked about his patients and, and this shift to hospitalists. And a lot of patients don't, they don't maybe fully understand it and it, yeah. it worries them a little bit. But talk a little bit about hospitalists yeah. and how that's really reshaped a lot of what uh, what the hospital does. Yeah, it, it definitely has. And we have hospitalists that are just for inpatients, right? So inpatient primary care hospitalists. We have hospitalists at Riverside for behavioral health. We have hospitalists for um, neurology patients. We have hospitalists just for the intensive care. So we have lots of different types of hospitalists and for pediatrics as well. Um, but what happens, and, and I will say this not as a negative, our older patients are used to that Marcus Welby approach. They're used to seeing their doctor in the clinic. They're used to seeing the same doctor in the hospital. The younger patients, they're more fluid. They're, they're, they'll get on their phone. They'll do an e-visit. They'll go to an immediate care. Um, they'll come to the hospital. They have a different physician or provider every every uh, um, every touch point, and they're okay with it. So it really depends on on partly on what you grew up being used to, mm -hmm. and the other piece is really that individual physician. So we try to recruit hospitalists that are that are not only high quality but but are very good from a patient satisfaction friendliness standpoint, and that will help put um, um, some of our patients, our senior patients especially, more at ease. If they have a provider that they that can relate to them, that will be friendly to them, that they that they understand and and uh, can get to know a little bit. Yeah. So really, in the long run, it works out well for all all concerned. Yeah, it really does. And, and that hospitalist, all they do is see patients in the hospital, so they can see that patient two or three times a day potentially, versus that one time late at night after they've done their clinic visits. Yeah. Um, so again, it does work out. It's been very successful for Riverside um, from a patient satisfaction, from a quality. Uh, from every standpoint. Oh. I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to ask a bit of a longer question, which gives you an opportunity to take a drink of water. All if right, you'd like. very good. Thank that, you. That light makes it kind of warm, so the yeah. water's kind of nice. But, uh, you know, we started talking about the fact you grew up here, you're a community guy. Uh, so 
you know, Riverside can be called a community hospital, although that has a that has a connotation that makes it a small kind of you know local hospital. We've grown really beyond that point. But obviously, being concerned about the community and providing for the community is really what what we're all about. How has that idea changed over the years in in, in trying to keep the community in the community for their health care? Yeah. You know, I, I think it's only changed for the better from a community hospital standpoint. We're not that small community hospital anymore. We're we're getting to be very large from a from a revenue standpoint, from a, a service standpoint. And so I think it's been very positive on the community. What I look at, and, and data's key, right? Data analytics is in every industry now, including healthcare. I look at patients that live within a cer- certain radius of the hospital, and where do they go? Do they go outside of the community for their healthcare? So if, if they live in Bourbon A, and they're going up to Rush in Chicago, or they're going up to Northwestern, why? What services are they getting up there that we're not providing here? And so then I try to say, okay, can we provide that service at a, at a very high quality level uh, here in Kankakee? And if we can, that's what we start to pursue. We start to pursue the technology, we uh, start to pursue the physicians, the other clinical support staff that we need, and we bring that service to Kankakee. Um, so that's kind of how it works from my standpoint. Mm. I believe healthcare is local, and how can we keep our patients from this local area here from a high-quality patient safety, patient satisfaction standpoint? Yeah. You know, another big thing that we talk about a lot is access and making sure the community has access to healthcare. And one of the one of the um, the tools that have played into that are our immediate cares. And the opening that we've um, added several. We have eight. Have eight this year. We'll right. Open our eighth. Uh, talk a little about that philosophy. Kind of feeds everything else. Yeah. We have eight immediate cures, as you said, and we have them in a lot of the smaller outlying communities. Those communities don't have a physician. And so we open up a clinic. It's staffed by nurse practitioners, very competent, um, very skilled, and we run them seven days a week, uh, 364 days. They're open almost every day except for Christmas. And so they run 12 hours a day, Monday through Friday. They run eight hours on Saturday and Sunday. So great access for people in those communities. They go from an, for an urgent visit, not an emergent visit, an urgent care visit. Um, they see a nurse practitioner. She will, we, she will address their concern. If they need something more, then she can refer them on to a specialist at Riverside, onto a diagnostic test at one of Riverside's facilities, et cetera. But it's that quick, convenient access within their hometown. And it's been very, very successful, um, very highly regarded. I was looking at patient satisfaction numbers. They're all on the 95th percentile or above from a patient satisfaction standpoint. Wow. They do very, very well. Outstanding. So a model that's worked well, again, yeah. kind of for everybody, for the community. Right. Exactly. The as well. I'm going to now ask the penultimate question, which isn't the last question, but the second to the last question, I believe, if I'm using that word correctly. But Riverside is an independent organization. Right. Um, we hear a lot of hospital mergers, you know, uh, systems being coming, coming together, uh, but Riverside has stayed independent. Do you see that continuing in Riverside's future? Yeah. You know, um, independence is not a strategy of Riverside. It's an outcome of the work that we do. Um, there really has not been a a driving factor that would say, Riverside, you need to you need to join another another organization, another network of physicians, right? Um, as the environment changes, if the government does something crazy, right, the Medicare Medicaid system, if if uh, we can't recruit physicians, there are those are some of the needs that we would have to look to a system for, but we don't have those those issues today. So my expectation is that we're going to stay independent going into the future. Yeah. Um, I, I fibbed because it's not 
there's going to be another question here real quick. One thing I wanted to bring up and ask you a little bit about, Riverside is the largest employer in Kankakee County, right. 3,000 or so employees. Yep. So that means that the work you do, you not only have to think about the patients and all that to serve them, but you've got a lot of employees that you have to think about because you obviously want the best employees and, and want to make sure your employees are happy and stay right. and all that. So that's a, a real tough balance, I would guess. All right. No, absolutely. Again, it, it's, it's a tough balance, but it all fits together. You have you have happy employees. You have happy patients, right? Sure. Um, it it kind of fits together. If you have unhappy employees, they're not going to be nice to your patients. You're going to have unhappy patients. You're going to have unhappy visitors. So we do lots and lots of different things. We have been named uh, one of the healthiest employers in the country um, because of some of our wellness programs that we put out there for our employees. Because again, if you have sick employees, you're not going to have happy employees. So we we really focus on wellness. We focus on job satisfaction. We do employee insert, uh, engagement surveys. Uh, on an annual basis, and then we actually take the data from those surveys and act on it. Um, so we have very high patient or high, very high employee satisfaction, very high employee wellness, and that all fits together. So again, it, it's it's a big task, but we've got great people working at Riverside. It's not just one person; it's an entire team, and we work well together, and and we've accomplished some great things. Very good. Then lastly, I guess I want to give you the opportunity, if, if anything we didn't talk about, that you want to make sure the community, those listening to this, yeah. understand about kind of the Riverside philosophy and what we're trying to do for the community. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the message I would send, we are a high-quality organization. You know, I think it was Ford or one of the car companies, quality is job one. That's how I feel at Riverside. If you provide a great quality product, people are going to want to come back to you. Right? So great quality means not only good outcomes and safe care and, and, and positive patient satisfaction, all those things roll into it. If you focus on great quality, everything else kind of falls into line. And Riverside has been recognized as a top 100 hospital nationwide. We've been recognized as a top 50 cardiovascular hospital. We've gotten all sorts of awards for heart, for ortho, for our neurosurgery programs. So that's really what we focus on. And I find that if we focus on quality, all the other stuff kind of falls behind and comes into place. Yeah, very good. We call this podcast Well Within Reach. After some of the things we've talked about, we might want to change it to Marcus Welby Within Reach because we brought we brought him up a couple times. See, you're dating yourself, Carl. I am. Some I of am. our listeners out there, I don't think they're, they're going to know who the heck Marcus Welby is. So they're going to run and check go on YouTube, though, and find old there Marcus Welby. There you go. Well, Phil, nice. we appreciate you joining us. Yeah, Carl, thank you very much. I appreciate being here. Yeah.